0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with 7 drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com.
1: There's something also very freeing about not defining yourself by your job or by your medium because you aren't just that thing. You know, you're you're a lot bigger than that. So, and and we're really encouraged to define ourselves by what we do for money in, in this culture.
0: That is a clip from my good friend and guest today, Emily Wapnick, who invented the term multi-potentialite. You may have heard it before. If you haven't, it is someone with many interests and creative pursuits. And she talks about why that is not a weakness. That is actually your biggest strength. And as somebody who loves travel, Maybe this is you or part of you. You're very curious. You have a lot of interests. How can you combine them? How can you use that to your advantage to create a fulfilling life? And Emily shares specific models for living in this interview today, actually four models of combining your multiple interests. She talks about why it's helpful to solve your own problems before helping others, why it's critical to give yourself permission to explore your multiple interests, different ways you can embrace your weirdness, or we'll say your uniqueness, and so much more. Emily has done a popular TED Talk called Why Some of Us Don't Have One True Calling. It has over 8 million views at the time of this recording, and the advice in this interview is actionable, practical, and powerful. I know you're going to love it. Plus, I want to give you an easy-to-follow plan for having one year of adventures right out your back door and why that is so important it's all happening right now in today's show so buckle up strap in thanks for being here and welcome to the zero to travel podcast my friend you're listening to the zero to travel podcast where we explore exciting travel-based work lifestyle and business opportunities helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams Now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I'm so excited to bring you today's interview, as you heard at the top. A lot going on. Emily's work has been featured in the New York Times, Fast Company, Forbes, New York Magazine, The Huffington Post, BBC. I could go on and on. She is a true expert and her book, How to Be Everything, teaches you how to design a life at any age and stage of your career that allows you to be fully you and find the kind of work you'll love, life you'll love, all that good stuff. So... Get ready to dive into a great interview today from the archives, I should mention. I thought it would be a good idea to bring this one out being the top of the year, a time when we're all considering some different things in life, maybe doing our own little lifestyle audit and kind of wondering, hey, what kind of changes should we make? And I think part of that is building an awareness around the type of people we are and how we can use that to our advantage in this case. Being curious, having multiple interests, maybe being perceived as somebody who jumps around to different things, not a bad thing, not a bad thing. So we talk all about that today and much more. I also am going to give a shout out to somebody in this community and stick around on the back end because I want to share with you an easy to follow plan for having a year of adventures right near your home. This was a wonderful idea, I thought, and I want to bring this to your attention so you can partake if it's something that sparks your curiosity now let's slip and slide into the interview and i will see you on the other side my friend if you are one of those endlessly curious souls with multiple passions and interests like me then you know sometimes that can actually be a bit of a struggle for example We can have a hard time figuring out what we want to be when we grow up, even if we are grown up, because we enjoy so many different things that it's hard to pick just one. Also, we tend to jump around from one interest to the next, and society might see us as a bit flaky, maybe a little scatterbrained, and when it comes to work, trying to bring together all of our random interests and build a meaningful career in life we enjoy can be a challenge. Well, I've got good news, you are most definitely not alone. And luckily, my guest today can help us with all of the above and much more. She is a champion for multi-potentialites, a term she defines as someone with many interests and creative pursuits. And as the founder and creative director at PuttyLike.com, that's P-U-T-T-Y-L-I-K-E.com, she has made it her mission to help multi-potentialites integrate all of their interests to create dynamic, fulfilling, and fruitful careers and lives. She has a TED Talk titled, why some of us don't have a one true calling. It has nearly 4 million views at the time of this recording. So this is a topic that resonates with a whole lot of people out there. And she's the author of a wonderful new book. It's called How to Be Everything, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Get this book. Seriously, it's amazing. I just finished reading an advanced copy. It's available at howtobeeverything.com and of course where books are sold. To top it all off, I'm so proud to call this incredible, kind human being, a dear personal friend. She has helped me and millions of others over the years find their way, and I'm honored to have her on the show. Emily Wapnick, welcome to the (laughs) Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Wow.
1: Thank you for having me, Jason. That was quite the intro.
0: (laughs) Well, I I mean, listen, you have quite a body of work, and uh, your life's mission to well, I, let's, I don't know where to start. I, uh, here's where I'm going to start. You know, this is a travel show, and one thing I found is that many travelers fall into the category of multi potentialite. I think, because if you're curious enough and adventurous enough to hop on a plane and go and explore the world, you're probably the type of person that's also going to explore many interests, hobbies, and activities, and so on. So I really want to dig deep into this with you today and learn why you see this as a major personality and life advantage rather than a character flaw, uh, for the multi-potential multipotentialite traveler, but first, I, I want to talk about where you're at right now because you're going like you're in a really cool spot that I haven't really explored myself
1: oh you mean like geographically
0: you're like geographically, <laughs> where are you right now?
1: right now, I am on an island in b c in Canada, and um I'm actually, we just moved here a few months ago, and we're going to be hopefully moving to an even smaller island um, pretty soon. So it's (laughs) really beautiful. There's lots of great hiking and lots of amazing views and ocean, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Well, I met you in 2011 in Portland, and you were living there for a while. So this is like, I don't know, this is a pretty big change, you know, going from... A pretty major city to an island and now to a smaller island. Is this like the multi-potential like, traveler in you? Like, <laughs> like trying to like downsize in a way? Uh, or?
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe, but it's, it's true that I have, like I grew up in Montreal, which is like a big East coast city. And then I moved to Portland because I kind of fell in love with the West coast. Uh, and Portland is kind of like, it's a city, but it's a lot more outdoorsy and, you know, it's pretty green and progressive. And then um, yeah, I just became more and more interested in kind of wilderness and, and nature. And, you know, I did the, the whole uh, travel trailer thing for a while, kind of explored the Northwest. And, um, yeah, I think it, maybe it's partly – it's definitely like a am very curious and I want to learn more about this kind of w- world. And I've spent so much of my life in the city. But also I think because I work online, it's really important for me to – connect with nature and to get outside and to go hiking. And I've, I've realized that that is a really good antidote to kind of like the always being like wired in and I I can get a little bit anxious and I'm such an introvert that I can just like be on my computer all the time and working. And so it's, it's a really good balance to that.
0: (laughs) It gets challenging. And uh, you know, we've been, and we should let everybody know we've been meeting in a, like a biweekly sort of, Business mastermind type group meetup for many years now, and uh, yeah, that's one of the things that comes up a lot you know we we have these struggles working online and and being on our own and um that I'm so grateful that you shared your message and your um your approach to solving some of the problems that a multipotentialite would would face and it's funny I mean geographically speaking. That's so tried not really thought about it beforehand. But, you know, as somebody who's traveling, or even if you're moving from, like, one extreme to the next, your physical location can actually be a bit of a, a multiple passion thing too, you know, because, like, I know when I'm traveling, and I'm on the moon, I'm like, okay, I'm tired of, like, this big city life. I want to kind of experience more of nature and trying to find all those different things. And, 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 like, in the end, that balances me out, you know, if I'm too much in one or the other. And it's kind of, like, the same with... <laughs> everything else in life, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that 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 is a key um, similarity between multi-potentialites and travelers is that as a multi-potentialite, you you really crave variety. And um, the the way to kind of, one of the, the important things about building a life where you feel fulfilled and happy, is building a life where you have that variety, where you've intentionally created it for yourself. And I think that that's very similar to what travelers will do. Um, you don't want to be in one place for too long. You want to experience a bunch of different things. And you know, I mean, who knows a few years from now? I mean, I, I'm my wife and I are definitely planning on taking trips from here and going all over the place. It's not just like we want to be, you know, hidden away in the forest forever. Um, but yeah, who knows, maybe in five, 10 years I'll move to a big city. Like I I have no idea. Um, but variety I think is the, is the connecting piece there.
0: Yeah. It's variety is definitely something that's been fulfilling in my life personally. And yeah, it's interesting, like setting yourself up in that environment is, sort of like step one, but then also there's all the mindset stuff and everything around that. Um, When you were growing up, was it hard to choose what to do? Like, did you personally have pressure to pick a single path to specialize in something like a doctor or a lawyer would? Um, Because you say in your book, quote, those pressures are everywhere in our culture, and most of us have internalized this message to some degree. These beliefs can be more harmful than real obstacles, like, quote, real obstacles like time and money.
1: Yeah. So I was lucky in the sense that my, my parents are both professors. So for them, it's like education is just good and I can study whatever I want because it all leads to being a professor, even though that's not actually what I want. Um, but at least I had that support to kind of explore and study and learn. Um, a lot of people don't have that. However, like I said in that quote I you know I still felt that pressure to kind of pick something and commit to it and I, I felt like if I don't pick one thing and build a life around it that makes me flaky that means I'm a quitter that means that I can't be trusted and also just like what is what's wrong with me that I can't seem to settle on one thing that I'm I'm this curious person who jumps around and I kind of lose interest in one area that I used to love and become fascinated by something totally new. Like what's wrong with me? And those were the kinds of things that, that I thought growing up, it actually caused me a lot of, a lot of anxiety.
0: Hmm. I mean, was there a moment where it really started scaring you your multi potentiality? Like, like, Oh my God, am I going to be able to, sort of support myself, you know?
1: Yeah. I think as I approached graduation and had to start thinking about my career and, you know, being practical and those sorts of things. Um, but I also, I start the book off with this story of bumping into a, an old acquaintance, my former acting teacher, um, from, from like high school. I bumped into her when I was 23 and, um, She was, we kind of, we were catching up and she was like, So, what are you up to? And I was, I very enthusiastically told her about how I was going to start law school in the fall. And, you know, this was something that I had just recently become interested in. I'd taken a law class randomly in undergrad. I was studying communications and film. And, um, I was super excited about it. it. Just, it was so different from anything that I had studied before. It felt like logic games and, um, and, and so I, I was really excited and she kind of, she kind of stopped and got this like funny look on her face and was like, I thought you were going to be a filmmaker. <laughs> and,
0: and wah, wah. I, yeah. It's
1: like, it's like <laughs> I didn't really know what to say. I kind of just, um, shrugged and was like, nope. <clears throat> um, but I, I think that was the moment for me when I realized like, this is not good. <laughs> like, like, uh oh. Um, right. Like
0: I'm, something's wrong with me. Yeah, I'm weird. Yeah. Like, and like I, why I, can't I just be normal? Yeah, exactly.
1: And I think I'd thought about it a little bit here and there, but it never really, it, this like brought everything to the surface. And I was like confronted with this fact about myself that I can't really stick to one thing. And I felt really ashamed and I felt like, like, you know, people aren't, don't know what to make of me and I'm never going to be successful and I'm never going to figure out this career thing. And, um, I started to panic a little bit and it took a few more years before I realized that there are actually a lot of people out there who are doing many different things, who are making it work, who have stable careers. And I kind of decided I was going to start learning from them and writing about these ideas on a blog and, maybe helping other people who are struggling with similar things. And that was in 2010. So I've been kind of thinking about this and writing about it for a while. Um, but I, I definitely at one point made this conscious choice to say, like, I I know this is how I'm wired, and I'm going to stop fighting it. And I'm going to find a way to embrace it. And I'm going to find a way to make it work. Um, and to have kind of a, a, a some stability in my career and in my life at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like, for you writing about it was cathartic in some ways. You were like, okay, I have to process this, so I'm just going to share it. I mean, was that?
1: Yeah, partly. I mean, I think that they always tell you that when you're looking to start a business or whatever, you should try and solve your own problems. And so I feel like there was a bit of that going on where I was like, this is something that I have struggled with, that I am struggling with. I want to figure it out for myself and I want to help other people. And at the time I wasn't really sure if there were other people out there like this, but it turns out it, yeah. there are, There, you know, there are quite a few, so.
0: It seems like there are quite a few. No, it's it's interesting, I mean, I don't think, it's definitely not uncommon, at least in the Western world, like you talked about, you know, you said being practical, coming out of school, and then I got to be practical now, and that's like, it is very typical, and I think this is where a lot of the commonalities uh, and some of the struggles as it relates to travelers, is, is the same. That's a, one example is, you know, people thinking you're weird because like in a traveler's case, because you want to live on the road for an extended period of time. And that's like not being practical for the multi-potentialite. It's, you know, going from one interest to the next and, and not like necessarily pursuing something that's quote unquote practical. Um, and there are some other, a bunch of commonalities, actually. I've listed a bunch, but I wanted to um, ask you about the common misconceptions about, multi-potentialites and, and then some of the struggles they may face.
1: Sure. Um so the biggest one is that we are Jack of all trades, master of none, this very pithy saying that people love to, to repeat. And actually I, I thought it was kind of funny while I was doing research, I realized I found that there were there is a translation of this sentence in almost every language. <laughs> so it is um I, I put a few of them in in the book. But it's, you know, it's it's just not true, right? Like people assume that you're either really, really, really good at one thing or you're totally mediocre at everything and that there, you know, there's actually this middle ground where you can be very good at a few things, at several things. And you know what does it say about what you think of the human spirit if you're like you can only be really good at one thing in life, right? Like <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so you'll find multi potentialites who are highly accomplished CEOs and like architects and you know famous artists, actors, musicians, like like entrepreneurs, innovators, scientists, like. It is just not true that to be curious about many things means that you kind of suck at everything. <laughs> That's just false. It's just not what you see when you look out around the world <laughs> at people.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's probably I would I mean I, I never did the percentages or ran the numbers, but I would probably say a majority of the people that I admire are multi-potentialites because it uh, it takes a certain type of personality I think a certain level of curiosity to be able to curate sort of experiences and and I guess share them and and also create certain things I mean there are definitely many things on this planet that wouldn't exist without people um, you know having the freedom to explore multiple different interests even if they didn't let's say follow through all the way with one like so you didn't become a hollywood filmmaker but does that mean like your experience making films didn't add to like everything that you do right you know what i mean like it all it's all connected mm-hmm.
1: yeah we have so many transferable skills that we that we kind of bring from one project or one discipline to the next thing and so yeah everything just kind of adds on each other uh, on on itself and on you know things kind of combine and We create new things at the intersections between fields. And yeah, I mean, if you think about figures throughout history, a lot of the major cultural figures had multiple passions, worked in multiple areas. I mean, you could talk about people like, obviously, Leonardo da Vinci, Ben Franklin, um, Galileo, Aristotle, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey. Like, you know, there's like... All of these really famous people throughout history and prominent figure, cultural figures now who work in many different fields and have a lot going on. I made an effort in this book to focus on relatable people, people that, you know, could be you as opposed to like, oh, Oprah's doing this. So you should, you know, um, but I do include an appendix at the end that has, um, a bunch of famous multi-potentialites listed. So... <laughs>
0: Nice. I think I hear a collective sigh from (laughs) listeners because, uh, it, no, it is a relief, like to, to be able to express this idea. And obviously this is resonating with so many people that, Hey, like this is an okay thing. And this actually, I have a lot to contribute because of this. And this isn't a disadvantage is it is a huge relief. And that's one of the things that I think your book has done, at least for me is, um, it, it does make me, feel relieved in many ways and it makes me feel like okay like justified in a way that i've been able to like sort of bounce around and do these different things and that that there's nothing wrong with that and that's something that a lot of people do and of course you know with our friendship and knowing each other for so many years and we've talked about this for a while we'll be back right after this this episode is brought to you by u.s bank recently i went out for tacos and it wasn't even friday yes we have taco friday in norway we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off the beaten path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent four x four is built for even the most epic journeys. And it even has the best towing capacity in its class up to 6,000 pounds and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. The book is, is incredible. And I want to ask you about the, uh, the frameworks you created to help people, quote, smush their interests <laughs> together, as you say, which I love that term, um, and kind of break down just really quickly the four models that you share. Yeah,
1: thanks. Um, So what I did for this book was I interviewed about 50 multi-potentialites who self-described as being both happy and financially comfortable. And then I surveyed a couple thousand more, and I really wanted to understand how multi-potentialites make a living. And what I found is that it it was a little bit frustrating at first because there were people working in all different industries and all kinds of different jobs. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to teach anything? People are all over the place. And what works for one person doesn't work for the next. Um, But what I realized uh, was that people could kind of be put into these four, people use these these sort of four work models. I, I kept seeing these come up again and again. And Yeah, you can be a hybrid, you can kind of you can mix and match these. I never like to tell my multi-potentialite audience to choose one thing. So there are four (laughs) there are four work. (laughs) That would be bad. Yeah, exactly. Um (laughs) but I thought that it was really helpful to think about it this way. So um the first way that multi-potentialites make a living is what I call the group hug approach. And this is if you imagine your many interests coming together in one big group hug. Um, so this is when you have one job or business that is very multifaceted, that lets you wear many different hats, focus on a lot of different topics, integrate various skills together. On the employment side of things, if you have one job where you get to do a lot of different things, maybe you're working in an interdisciplinary field like like urban planning or design, which touches on so many different areas and really requires an understanding of multiple fields. Uh, Maybe you're working for an open-minded organization that is interested in the ideas of its team and um, they're interested in letting you kind of take the initiative and, you know, pitch projects and integrating your other skills into your work. Um, There are a variety of ways to kind of create this, this like smooshy, multifaceted job or or to find one. Um, And then on the business side of things, just running a business requires you to do a lot of different things. So many multi potentialites tend to be entrepreneurs, but for some people, um, creating like a, a niche business is not doesn't provide them with enough variety because you're just focusing on one thing. So I talk a lot about the idea of the Renaissance business. We talked about that on our on our last call. Um, so I'm not going to get too much into it, but it's like, it's the idea of having a broader business. So one example I mentioned in the book is this cafe, this bakery in Alabama called Pie Lab. It was actually made by a bunch of designers and it's also a community space. They offer initiatives like bike repairs and catering apprenticeships. And it's all about social justice and conversations. So it's not just a bakery. Um, so that's one example. Um, I've got, um, We've got a mutual friend, Abe Cahuto. I mentioned him in the book too. And he does a bunch of different things in his business. So he's a video director and he does web design and he does online course creation and Kickstarter consulting. So he's got this one business, but he's got all of these little revenue streams within it. And it's all about helping his clients through, tell their story through high impact. Um, multimedia storytelling, kind of that—that's kind of like his overarching theme. Um, so, so yeah, that's the idea of having one business that lets you do many different things. It's, I call it a renaissance business. Um, so, that's the first work model, the the group hug approach, where you're smushing your interests together. The second commonly used work model is what I call the slash approach, and here instead of combining your interests, you're keeping them separate and distinct, and you've got a few discrete revenue streams. So jobs or businesses that you kind of move between over the course of your week. So some people call this the, the portfolio career. Um, but I call it, I like the slash approach because it's kind of like you're, a uh, you know, you're a programmer slash teacher slash stand-up comedian slash artist or whatever. So it's got those slashes and you're not necessarily combining things. So you're just moving between these different revenue streams. And some people, it's important to kind of differentiate this from someone who has multiple jobs just to kind of pay the bills just like to make ends meet, you know, and that that's fine. Like sometimes people have to do that. But what we're talking about here is really an intentional choice that instead of like doing this one thing full time, you want, you're going to do three things part time and you get something different from each of the revenue streams from each of the the jobs or businesses. Um, And you wouldn't necessarily want to do any one of them full time, but like in the right amount, it's just perfect.
0: Right. Yeah. Like you work online, but then you're going to you're going to work at a restaurant because you get the interaction mm-hmm. and you like it.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, some people really love this approach. It works really well if you value, you know, flexibility and freedom and independence. People can make their own schedules. Um yeah, so that's the second commonly used work model. The third is what I call the the Einstein approach. And that's because Albert Einstein worked at the patent office for several years. He was basically employed by the government. And so he had this very stable day job that provided him with his income. He didn't have to worry about the money piece of things. And then he could explore his, he could work on his theories on the side. So he, you know, the, the financial piece was taken care of, but his job was also notoriously slow paced and it did not take up too much time or energy. So he, he could leave work and he still felt like he could, you know, he wasn't totally drained at the end of the day, right? So um Barbara Sher called this the good enough job, and it's basically the idea that you have a job that pays the bills, that you enjoy well enough, that does not leave you that, that leaves you with enough time and energy to pursue your other passions on the side. And the benefit of this approach is that you can really just explore without having to worry about monetizing everything, and so people who who do it and are happy in it just really love that. So I, I interviewed a guy named Charlie Harper who is uh, he's a an IT director. By day, he's got just like a nine to five, which, you know, he enjoys, but like it isn't everything, but then he leaves the office and he goes to musical theater practice or acapella practice. And on the weekends he builds furniture. And when we spoke, he had just built a boat. So it's like, it totally frees him up to, you know, he doesn't have to be a struggling actor trying to make a living doing that because he's got the financial piece covered. And this approach does not work for everyone, but for some people it really works Uh, and then we've got the phoenix approach and this is for people who kind of like going a little bit deeper into an area and so they will start a career in a field and kind of work their way up to a degree and then you know five ten years later they're feeling like okay i kind of kind of got my fill here And then they become they've already been becoming interested in something else, and then they make that transition and they start a new career in a new field, and they kind of dive in. So they move through their interests a little bit more sequentially, like one after the next, after the next, as opposed to doing them all at once, right? Like maybe a slash careerist would do. Um, But they kind of yeah, they they just work in different fields. And usually, when they make these transitions, they've already been developing that new thing on the side and they're kind of building up their connections and their skills and looking for opportunities and then when the time is right they they make that transition.
0: I've always been a group hug guy, yeah. I guess when I think about it. But um yeah, so the multi-potentialite traveler of course, and you're adding the travel piece in and I mean I could definitely see how you can add the travel piece into these different I mean One of the things that you've said a couple times is being intentional. That's so key. And knowing thyself and with these models you've created, it's, again, once you know, okay, hey, I'm this. I'm a multi-potentialite. I have these multiple interests. This is part of my personality. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. um, How do I take that and structure my life in a way that is enjoyable? And with these models, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear... I think at least when you when you really ask yourself some honest questions, okay, what what which approach would you enjoy the most? Like, I mean, I in hindsight now I can see it's the group hug approach, but I probably could have told you that in the beginning too because I like to wear many hats throughout the day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, like in your opinion for somebody that's looking to like blend travel with all of this, is there one uh, approach or sort of technique that you would say is maybe more favorable for that person.
1: Yeah, I think that I don't know if there's one approach. I mean, obviously, if you're tied to a job that's in a specific location, that's going to be a problem. But even if you've got like um like a good enough job, if it's re- if you can work remotely, that is an option. Um, and I, I forgot to mention in the the kind of Einstein approach, the, the good enough approach, um, you can also have a business, right? You can have like a very lucrative business that pays well, that doesn't, where you don't integrate your many interests, but it like takes care of the financial piece and then you explore on the side. So for a while I was doing web design kind of when I was starting Putty like and getting the business off the ground. Web design was just the skill that I could do that I had been doing that people paid me good money for. And I could do that from anywhere. So when I first moved to Portland, that's what I did. I just kept my clients and had a few projects going. And um, so I think, yeah, just kind of thinking about what you can do online or, you know, even with the, like the Phoenix approach you talk a lot about different jobs you can get, like working on cruise ships and stuff. So that might be a thing where you, you do something for a year, and then you do something else for a year. And so you're kind of moving through your different pro- your different work projects one after the next and trying something out and getting your variety that way and, and also traveling. But yeah, I think the main thing isn't really the model. It's more about making sure that you are um, mobile, obviously, <laughs>
0: so... Yeah, totally. And I mean, what you said about the travel jobs, you know, the, the job itself, like, as you know, I worked in events and like the music touring and all that stuff. So those jobs were very much like group hug type jobs because there's so many different types of tasks throughout the day. But then you're right. It was also sort of a hybrid with the Phoenix approach, too, because you'd be contracted to work a certain amount of time, but you're traveling with the jobs. So when you find travel jobs, it seems like you are able to sort of straddle these two worlds, which I liked too, because then there was like a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Now I work for myself and I love like the businesses I'm building and everything I'm doing. So it's like, I don't need to see the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm enjoying myself most of the day, mm-hmm. um, except unless I have to work on tax. <laughs> right. And, you know, that's not Gosh. very much fun, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, uh, there's, it's not ever going to be like all sunshine and mm-hmm. rainbows or whatever. But I did like that when I was working for other people that, that there was an end in sight. And in that way, like the Phoenix approach really appeals to me. So
1: mm-hmm. you touched on something that is very true, which is that we do well with, um, project based work and work with deadlines that are a little bit shorter because multi-potentialites often, if something just goes on and on and on, unless it is super interdisciplinary and there's a ton of variety involved, um, will eventually start to feel bored. So if you have, yeah, if you have like a six month contract or something, then, you know, you can kind of just do your thing and then get that sense of completion that I think multi-potentialites often feel like we lack if we just decide to leave something behind without hitting some sort of end point. So it's nice to like have, have that (laughs) even just for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. And I mean, what if you're, if you're working a job or a project, that's, that's pretty concrete, but what if you're, you're, you're interested in a particular topic, like you said, filmmaking or or something like that. And then you decide you want to move on to the next thing because it's just for whatever reason. And there's, there's this line between, like maybe not following through versus healthy exploration and, and you could get into like, well, other fears people might have, like maybe there's a fear of success. So every, like they self-sabotage every project before it finishes or whatever. I mean, what do you think about that, that line and trying to figure that out?
1: Yeah. So I think it's important to understand what finishing means to a multi potentialite Cause I think that we define finishing differently and we might not even realize it if we don't know this about ourselves. So, when, when a regular non-multipotentialite finishes something, maybe that looks like them getting a degree, or maybe that looks like them reaching retirements. Um, when a multipotentialite finishes something, often it's just because we got what we came for. And that could be something really personal. Maybe it's a, a degree of mastery or a personal project that we need to finish or something having to do with creativity or exploration or learning something new, learning a new skill. And so it can look to the outside world like we're flaky, we're quitting. But usually what's going on is we there's just no reason for us to continue because we got what we came for. And like there's it's time for, to learn something new. It's time to explore something new and to create something new. So, I mean, it doesn't make it necessarily much any easier because those, the, that rhetoric is there like winter flaky, but you know, like we've heard that stuff growing up and it's really easy to, to be hard on yourself. Um, but it's, it's important to remember. And, and also that we bring everything we learn to every new thing we explore, so like uh, you know, I'm running a business now, but I use the skills I picked up in law school from time to time. I think that writing legal papers made me a better, a more persuasive writer, and I use, I write all the time when I write blog posts and when I apply for things and proposals and wh- whatnot. Um, Film school taught me about the rule of thirds, which is is just this like framing thing. And I use that when I do design work, um, when I make videos sometimes and other things like lighting techniques and, you know, story learning. I I use those skills in my business. Um, So I can pretty much, and and obviously my web design background has been helpful too, because I sometimes I'll hire people to design things, but other times I want to do it myself. Uh, so, you know, we can feel like, oh my God, I wasted so much time and money sometimes, but all those skills stay with you. And many skills are transferable across disciplines. And you might just apply those skills in a totally different realm and in a way that you had never thought you'd be applying them. But yeah, I think it's important to kind of listen to yourself. If you're feeling bored, then maybe your body's trying to tell you something. Maybe it's time for a change.
0: Yeah. And everything you were just saying, I was thinking about, you know, somebody that wants to take a career break or a gap year and and spend a year traveling or whatever. There might be some people that look on and and can say the same thing. Oh, like you're wasting a year of your time and you're like spending all this money on travel. But it's like, no, um, because you're having all these experiences and they mean something, you know, and you bring them to whatever you do later. And that's why I say there's so much value in just travel for travel's sake and you know when you out with good intentions and you're you're trying to leave a place better than you came to it and all that type of stuff you know i mean if you're just going to go out and get wasted for a year and not ever do anything like you know meaningful at all then maybe that's a different story but um yeah i mean so it's it's so true and there's all these intangibles i think like and it, it, you're very actionable with a lot of the advice in the book but then there's also these um underlying things and i mean, one of the things you were just talking about was um, trying to like figure out what you came for and I mean you could say all right we'll figure that out before you start or something but in my experience anyway I found that that's a very intuitive process you know it's like it's a feeling like if I've been doing something for a while and I start to get the feeling like um, I think I've learned like I always feel like it's good to approach things with a beginner's mind and to like try to learn something new every day we've been doing the same job forever. But like there also comes to a point where, you know, you've maybe gotten like 90% of the lessons that you're probably going to take away. And you're like, at least for me, it comes to like, when I'm not learning anymore, I'm not feeling challenged anymore. Then it's like kind of time to move on. But I mean, in your personal life, have you found that um, it, it was your intuition that guided you in, in those sort of transitional pieces from one interest to the next?
1: Definitely, yeah, especially before I knew I was a multi aid or what was going on. Um, yeah, and I, I think that we can make an effort to, like, understand what drives us and understand our, our whys, you know, like, what why we feel pulled to certain. Why are we
0: getting into this woodworking? (laughs) Right, right exactly.
1: And that can be (laughs) helpful both to like understand your personal narrative and the the connection between your disparate interests and also to kind of explain to other people the, how things are related. But I don't, I don't think we necessarily need to, to get enjoyment out of our pursuits and um, to succeed. I think we can definitely just kind of listen to our intuition and, Listen to our bodies and being like, okay, uh, I feel like I'm kinda done here and I'm being pulled in this direction. let me see what's going on over here. And I'm um, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. that can totally work.
0: So I mentioned earlier the commonalities of the struggles um that multipotentialites face and that travelers mm-hmm. face and traveling multipotentialites as well. Because we're gonna smush them together. Okay, let's smush. <laughs> um I wanna go through a couple of these things and get your advice on how to deal with it because I think the advice you're gonna give is applicable to everybody in in these scenarios. And I mean, I think one of the big things is um, a lack of support. You know, if somebody's like, Hey, I get these emails from people like, Hey, like, you know, I want to um, go, you know, do this thing and I'm, I want to go to Southeast Asia for these months. But like, I don't, you know, my parents are totally against it or, like, my friends think I'm wacko or whatever. You know, it's understandable because it's it's not like you're not doing the mainstream thing, you know? I mean, if you're listening to this, you're not the mainstream person, <laughs> most likely. You are you have a different sort of take on things. And it's easy to find people that will support, like, the sort of the traditional, like, career path of the specialist or whatever. But not so easy if you're going a different route. Um, so... I know it's the same for multi potentialites. What is some of your advice on getting support and getting over that hump?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if this is going to, if this one, if this one piece of advice will apply as well in the travel realm. But for multi potentialites who are like, my friends and family members don't understand what I'm up to, I always counsel people to try and explain what it means to be a multi potentialite. And so, yeah, maybe it's similar. You know, try and explain that travel is an important value to you. It means something to you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And so, for multi potentialites, you know, you can like show them role models, other people who are doing similar things. Um, You can give them resources and kind of just try and explain it. Have a conversation. Usually, it comes from a place of of love. You know. Parents in particular um, can sometimes be a little bit hard on their kids, and it's just that they're worried about them. They want them to be, um, you want them to be able to support themselves, and they want them to be successful. And um, so, if you kind of explain what's going on with you, it can help, but not always. And so, at that point, you kind of need to figure out. You know, it, it, you have to live your life, right? Like. You don't wanna reach the end of your life and have all these regrets or things that you didn't do. You wanna look back and be like, oh my gosh, look at all the amazing things, all the amazing experiences I've had. So you got to live your life and it can make it a lot easier if you've got support around you. So seek out that support, get around other people who have similar goals, who are doing similar things. And um, whether that's joining Location Indie to be around other travelers or the Putty or the, Tribe,
0: <laughs> you have a community or the Putty <laughs> Tribe
1: to be around other multi-potentialists. I mean, I think this is the, the reason that you and I have both created online communities is that we felt like people felt really alone and didn't really know where to start, didn't really have that support in their everyday life. So we want to, you know, link people up with each other. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that just getting around other people who have big dreams and are pursuing unconventional things and maybe are other are also multi potentialites themselves. That can really be really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. And I know it can be scary. Like, I mean, when we met at the World Domination Summit, that was the name of the conference we met at in 2011, which is hard to believe now, you know, I was like, hey, this is this seems really interesting. And I, I don't know, like, my intuition is telling me to go. But, you know, that, that can be scary, too, because when you start sort of giving yourself permission to explore these interests, and, like, you're, you're going to cross paths with different types of people, and there's different things going on. And it's like there is that element, of course, putting yourself out there, And just kind of going for it. And I think once you take, like, you kind of take this and run with it, like, hey, I'm a multi-potentialite. This is what I am. It's, it's like empowering because it gives you that sort of, you're like, okay, I can go do this and it's fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And, and that's the other thing I, you know, everyone that I interviewed for this book, I made sure to ask them whether they had their family support when they were younger. And for those that didn't, I asked how things changed and whether you know, the relationship evolved at and all. And, and they would almost everyone said that with time, as their families saw that they were paying the bills, that they were supporting themselves and that they were happy, people kind of backed off. So this goes to that whole, you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission thing. Um, but yeah, I think that once people see that you're happy, that you're making it work, they'll kind of like lay off a little bit.
0: They'll get over it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um one of the other things uh, that's come up for me uh, in, in conversations recently i just spoke with this couple and it, it's really interesting they they were gearing up to like take off and do this long trip and then i kind of interviewed them before that and then like six months after but anyway the before interview the gentleman was talking about his how much his identity was tied to his work and how you know Quitting to travel was like, it was great and it was like a sexy idea and it was going to be really fun. But there was also this element where he felt like he was like losing a part of himself, you know. And if somebody's jumping from one thing to the next, you're kind of going through that letting go process a lot. So what is your advice around that?
1: Yeah. So this is a common issue for multi-potentialites. And it's something that I have struggled with in the past where you build your whole identity around something. So for me, growing up, music was a huge thing. I played in a band. I, you know, managed the band, book shows, was a songwriter. This was like, I was like, this is me. I'm a musician. I'm going to, you know. And then I reached a point where I like kind of stopped being interested in it. And I was becoming interested in other things. And I was like, I don't know who I am anymore if I'm not a musician. And so, yeah, multi-potentialites can experience these kind of existential uh, crises, (laughs) like crises. Yeah, totally. Um, And I think what I, I don't get that anymore because when you realize you're a multi-potentialite and this is gonna happen, then when you become interested in something, you don't enter it with like a, this is it mentality. You don't enter it being like, this is my thing. I'm going to be a uh, blank, whatever that, whatever that identity is. That is me. I've found it finally. And and it's easy to do that because growing up, we we're taught like everyone has this destiny, this one true calling, you just need to find it. And so we, we think we found it and then we're, we're wrong and we have this huge um, crisis, right? But if you know you're a multi-potentialite and what's going on, then you can enter things being like, okay, I'm really interested in this thing. I'm going to have some fun and see where it leads me and this isn't who i am it it's just one part of me it's something i'm curious about and it doesn't define me and i think that that is just a matter of understanding you're you're a multipod right like uh, before you know that it's really like i said it's really easy to fall into that trap but there's something also very freeing about not defining yourself by your job or by your medium because you aren't just that thing, you know, you're, you're a lot bigger than that. So, and, and we're really encouraged to define ourselves by what we do for money in, in this culture.
0: Right. And then there's the whole ego part and everything where, you know, that, that can get in the way, of course, too, where you're like, well, I'm all right, I don't have mm-hmm. this title now. Am I like, all of a sudden I'm, right. I'm not important because I'm not doing right. Specific well, thing?
1: and then if you uncouple that, if you stop getting your validation from the thing you do for money or the thing that people know you know you for then when you change when you switch to something else you don't have that ego your ego doesn't shatter because you still are like a whole person and a talented person and a smart person outside of that one realm
0: now a quick word from our sponsors would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. If you were going to define success for a multi-potentialite, then what is, how do you define it?
1: Oh, geez. I feel like everyone should just define success for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's a life where you get to explore your, your many interests and where you kind of have the freedom to, to jump around. And also you don't feel totally stressed out about not being able to pay the bills. So it's, it's that being able to support yourself and have a stable life at the same time as you have that freedom and can explore and follow your curiosity and, you know, combine things and draw interesting connections between fields and kind of, um, you know, be like a a tinkerer or explorer and, and, like really get to get to um express all those different parts of yourself.
0: Yeah, it's truly liberating when you're at peace with it. You mm-hmm. know? It, 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 that's the hardest part, I think. Like at least for me, it's it's been sometimes quite a struggle to understand that it's all okay, you know, and and then knowing there's all these other people out there that are like this. <laughs> <laughs> and going through some of the same things, or a lot of the same things, um, and then getting to the point where you're like, hey, this is who I am, and this is what makes life interesting to me, and I I love this way of life, Then, and you're at peace with it, then it's like, it is so truly liberating. And um, I thank you for literally inventing this term, multi potentialite. <laughs> you literally invented the term.
1: I, um, <laughs> actually, so there is a word... <laughs> called a word multipotentiality which is a term in psychology that is used to refer to people who have aptitudes across across multiple disciplines and so the way that multipotentialite came out of that was i wrote a little free pdf like manifesto thing shortly after i launched putty like and another blogger friend of mine reviewed it and he referred to us as multipotentialites and then i kind of Ran with it. So, okay, yeah. can't take total <laughs> yeah, credit yeah, for it. But awesome.
0: there you go. Well, hey, it, it works. <laughs> and, um, you yeah, know, at the end of your book, I'm not going to spoil it, but you told us a, a bit of a story, a personal story that moved me. And I'm not going to spoil it here, like <laughs> I said. But one of the lessons, um, I think one of the core lessons from the book was just, like you said, embracing your uniqueness and your weirdness. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, I guess we're not so weird, right? Because there are a lot of other people. <laughs> <laughs> like a right. Student.
1: Yeah. It's, it's this interesting thing. Like we're no, no two are alike. People have all kinds of different interests. People are all over the place, uh, but yet we're all multipods. Like we all, we have this thing in common where we don't just want to do one thing. So, and, and that means that we have other things in common too. Like we tend to struggle with the same issues. So like work is a big one and productivity is obviously going to be a big one and kind of the self-esteem and, um, fear and insecurities. We, we tend to kind of struggle with similar things just because of growing up in a particular culture. Um, so yeah, we, we have a lot of similarities. There are a lot of other people out there like this, but yet we're all so different and interesting, which is kind of cool.
0: You've done incredible things with your work and of all the things you've done, I'm curious of your answer. What are you most proud of?
1: Oh, um, (laughs) I would say either my Ted talk or this book, they're both projects that, um, or I mean, maybe the putty tribe. I, (laughs) I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of all of it, I guess. Um, but yeah, whenever I kind of work really hard at something and put, um, a deliverable of some sort out into the world that can then help people? Um that I feel pretty good about that. So
0: <laughs> well, I have to believe that um at least 95% of travelers are multiplayer.
1: <laughs> <So, I mean, laughs> like,
0: like I said, if we're out out there like um, you know, jumping around from place to place, we're probably jumping around from other things to other things as well. So um last question, why are you so awesome? <laughs> You don't have to answer that. I just wanted to say it. Um, The book is called How to Be Everything, a guide for those who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, How long did it take to write this book, by the way?
1: Um, I have been working on it for about... Three years, I got, I was kind of like doing interviews and writing notes and putting together a really crappy first draft for a couple years. And then I finally got stuff together and I I did a, I put, I, I wrote a book proposal, pitched it, got the book deal, and then got serious about it and wrote that in about eight months based on like all of the notes and interviews I had done. And I did a few more interviews and Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, get the book because it'll change your life. And that's not hyperbole. Howtobeeverything.com is where you can find it. And of course, Emily's website, puttylike.com. And she mentioned the Putty Tribe, which is a community she has for people that are multi-potentialized. So if this resonates with you and you're looking uh, for some other peeps to connect with, you can check out the Putty Peeps. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) if you go to puttylike.com, you can get links to all of Emily's stuff. Emily, I don't know how to end this. I mean, um, I am truly honored to call you one of my best friends. You've impacted my life in so many ways and you'll never know all of those ways because you can't, <laughs> but um, I can't express them in words. I just truly want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being uh, such a an incredible part of my life over the last, I guess, what is it? I, if I could do math like six years uh, now, Six yeah. is crazy. Um, six and a half years. so thank you so much. And thanks for coming on to share your advice and uh just for everything you're doing to help to help people really appreciate it
1: oh thank you jason i feel the same way and it's so much fun to be back here on the show
0: yes this is your third time you know you we did it's true we did yes and you were actually the only one that came on and interviewed me well you interviewed myself and my wife we did like a valentine's day episode that was really fun so that was super fun um, you're always welcome back it's a thrill to have you and um thanks thanks once again we'll chat with you soon Have it. My good friend Emily Wapnick. Love Emily. And I want to say congrats to her and her wife who just had a baby recently. I'm so excited for her. Don't forget to grab her book, How to Be Everything. Awesome book and an amazing human being, Emily. Love her. Thanks for coming on the show. Now, I want to give a shout out to somebody in this community. Left a nice review. Always love a nice review. And this is timely because of the situation we are in at the time of this recording. I like to keep these things evergreen, but it's hard to not mention the pandemic sometimes, even though we get tired of hearing about it. But for travelers, we are pretty grounded right now overall. Uh, So it was nice to get a review. Five star feeds your inner travel bug. Uh, This is from Noni Riddle said, I love this podcast. Keeps me dreaming of new destinations and experiences when I'm stuck at home. Jason is a pleasure and his enthusiasm for travel shines through in each interview. Thank you. I hope it does. I do have a true enthusiasm for travel, as you can probably tell after what 500 or so episodes. Now, I appreciate the comments and I wanted to highlight this review, not to pat myself on the back here, although it feels good to get a nice review, but uh, to segue into this idea of having adventures at home. Because it's important. A lot of the things we talked about in this episode as travelers, we tend to be curious, having a lot of interest, wanting to get out there and explore. And when we can't do that, we might feel a little bit bottled up, make it a little anxious. We might really crave that feeling of travel and adventure. And who's to say we can't have that right out of our backyards. But sometimes that's hard in practice to kind of figure out. And that's why I was so excited when Alistair Humphreys, who is somebody who's been on the show a few times, I'm actually going to try to get him back to talk about his recent project. He did a year where uh, he bought a single map of his region where he lived. It's called A Single Map is Enough, was the project he did. And he spent the year just exploring this one single map around the area where he lives. And he mentioned he had a lot of trepidation going into this project because it's not like he lives in a place in the UK where the wildest best nature is. He just lives in a sort of a regular area. There's traffic, there's, you know, all, all of the, the normal everyday kind of life things. It's not a, it's not some place next to a national park or something. So a lot of lessons I've been following along and he's writing a book on that now. So I'm, I'm putting it out there. We're going to get him back on the podcast to talk about this. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, he also put out this, uh, this one sheet for micro adventures, which is something he preaches adventures right near home. And this one sheet has uh, a month by month plan for the entire year. And what I loved about it is it's very achievable, very attainable, very doable. And it's a plan. You need a plan to execute sometimes, or oftentimes, I should say. The uh, vague idea of just getting outside and having more adventures and and doing more travel-related things near our homes, sometimes everyday life creeps in We have the days and the months slip away, and then we look back and realize we haven't done anything for three or four months to get that wonderful travel feeling. And if you're stuck at home now and you want that travel feeling, I wanted to put this on your radar as a resource for something that you might be able to use and to follow as a plan. So I'll link to that in the show notes so you can find it. And whether you use that or some other way, get out there, get that travel feeling somehow, some way, if you're stuck at home and you're craving it, find a way. Can always get that near home. I remember when I did a micro adventure with my daughter. We did a little bike touring trip, an overnight thing, and it really was an adventure. I mean, it was only one night out, but man, we saw a snake. We got lost. We met a guy from Greece who we were philosophizing with on, on a little bit of a walk when, when I couldn't make m- my pedal up one of the hills. Found like a horse farm that I never knew existed. It's amazing what you can find when you get out there. And have a little micro adventure. So I hope that's helpful for you. Now, I am going to leave you with a quote to wrap up this episode. Now I'm going to dig into the quote drawer here. We're going to go with the random, the random quote poll, see what we get out here. I wonder if it will relate to the show. Let's see. This one's from Asho who said, Don't be afraid of experience because the more experience you have, the more mature you become. I don't know why I did that. That is cool, though. I mean, experiences. It's what travel's all about. I like that quote, but I don't love it. So I'm going to pull another one out here. I'm going to get a double quote here today. This is what happens when we do random stuff. All right. This one is from Suntomo Yamamoto. Continue to spur a running horse. There we go. Continue to spur a running horse. Mm. I get excited about my quotes. All right. I'm going to let you go. Have a wonderful day. Smile. Take a chance today. Go on a little adventure. Out your front door, back door, side door, car door, RV door, band door, whatever door you're going to go out. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. And I'll see you next week. Don't forget, you can get in touch anytime. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll talk soon. Thanks again. Cheers. This
1: podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.